heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. What do you think the uh, Vegas odds were on this one, if Trump was going to run for president or not? You know, they had to have some odds on this and uh, what the favorite was, whether he would run or not run, right? To run or not to run, that is the question, yeah. Well, it's pretty safe to say that uh, Donald Trump was going to um, put his voice out there. The, the questions were, and a lot of people weren't comfortable with the timing, of course. They, you know, remember deja vu, what happened in Georgia, uh, with the two senators, of course, and, you know, sucking the oxygen out of the room. You know, I got thinking about that a bit more, actually, coming through the election, you know, with all the coverage, right? We're all watching the various races. I mean, you know, listen, election time in America is an exciting time. I mean, it's it's kind of what we do here for sport. It's it's in politics and in, in, uh, America. It's sport. It's sports. It's good sports. Like, it's like watching a great uh, sports game, you know? You got your winners and losers and, and your crybabies and uh, and all of that. So, you know, I was thinking through the elections uh, uh, to myself now, and uh, you know, that, you know, Trump is missing this. I mean, he, he is definitely missing this. And he likes to be the center of attention, my fellow Americans. Hmm. Boy, there's, a, there's a, a point you didn't recognize before, is there, you know? But he loves to be the, the showman. He's the showman. He is the center of attention. And the problem with many of these things with Trump is there are, there's always a danger of, again, sucking up all the oxygen in the room. And that's what a lot of Republicans were concerned with. A lot of conservatives were concerned with that. The timing of his announcement. Not so much at this point, whether he was going to run again or not. Because frankly, if you look at the backdrop in history of Donald Trump, when's the last time he's ever stepped down from a fight? Exactly. And this is a fight to be sure here. Welcome into the voice of a nation here. It is Malcolm out loud here, and uh, we are talking Donald Trump today, but some interesting conversations we're going to have here, for sure. I want to start with this piece in Politico. It says Trump is a problem for Republicans. DeSantis may not be the solution. <laughs> and they say in here, many Republican commentators are already adopting a common refrain. The party has a Trump problem, and it's time to move on, preferably with Florida's star governor, Ron DeSantis. The Republican rank and file may feel very similar here. New surveys taken since Election Day found that the GOP voters now prefer the Florida governor over the former president in the race for 2024. And some members of Congress appear to be leaning in that direction as well. Seeing the potential threat, Trump has gone to war with DeSantis on social media and in media statements. 
that deride the governor as Ron de Sanctimonious and as an average governor who only won office because of Trump's past support. Now, this uh, sanctimonious business, uh, you know, listen, when that came out, um, the the president, uh, you know, uttered those words, I think a lot of people sank in their chair at the moment. And I'll tell you why. I've had people telling me in past days and weeks that probably Trump has learned a lot of lessons. He's going to do it a little differently this time. And it's just going to be different. It's going to be different. Not quite the same as 2016 and 2020. Now, 2016, of course, is when he had all the names for everybody. Remember all the candidates up there and really made it very entertaining. That was where it became, that's actually where I coined the phrase uh, polytainment. If you listen to me back then, you're poly, that's what I called it, polytainment. And I know that because my own kids, my own teenagers, they loved it. They just loved it. The kids, they found this uh, highly, highly entertaining, uh, good fun. And it was a good sport, which is, again, American politics. You know, it's a good sport, as I say. And so they loved it, absolutely loved it. And and they would um, follow. In fact, they followed Trump way more than I did early on. In fact, they liked Trump way earlier than I did. Uh, frankly, I thought he was a bit of a clown up front. And uh, But the kids, they loved him. They thought, yeah, he's really funny and probably going to do some good stuff. And they were on the train. They got they they actually were on MAGA pretty quick here uh, before I. And again, as a as a journalist, as a commentator, uh, I tend to step back and watch a lot of things where they move and what happens, friends, before I decide or say something out there uh, just makes sense to me. Now, the fact that he started calling Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, the sanctimonious business, uh, it was a moment for everybody to understand that Trump was never going to change. He's never going to change. And there are pluses and minuses with that, friends. Again, it is entertaining. Um, some of it is people re- refer to it as a, a schoolyard bully, you know, or just, you know, adolescent talk. You know, so remember when he called Kim Jong-un, which I had talked to you about that, I think, last week or so, you know, Rocket Man, nah, 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 you know, Ilton John's Rocket Man. Remember that? And uh, and that was funny, you know, Kim Jong-un after all. And people thought, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing that. He's going to start World War Three. The hell's the matter with that guy? Well, it was the brand of Trump politics. And, you know, he pulled Kim Jong-un to the table and he he has uh, an unconventional, <laughs> a nice way to say it. He has an unconventional way of doing things. Now, that can be fun, frankly, and it could be interesting. It can also get results because I myself, I understand this, Gray, because I myself am very unconventional. I don't fall to the norm. I've never been a follower in my life. I'm a leader. I, I get Trump's brand of cornflakes. I totally, totally get it. And I understand what he's doing sometimes. I, I do get that as well. I find it very interesting the way he plays the game. Some of it is, is quite effective. Other parts of it, you have to bang your head against the wall and wondering what the hell is he doing now? But more times than not, the former president has been right. 
which drives the left up the loony bin. I mean, they go berserk over this guy. I mean, which was part of the problem I spoke about back in 2015 and 2016. If he doesn't chill a little bit, he's going to, you know, he's he's going to anger people to the point that, you know, when you read, in other words, you know, when you really piss somebody off, they come after you three ways to Sunday with a vengeance. That's what Trump did early on that I thought was going to be a real problem for him. And, you know, I'm sorry to report to you that I was right. Because it's it's what really in, in, in it, um, it fueled this thing and it inflamed people. And that's really, I think, a lot of the reasons that Trump spent four years um, <laughs> playing an aggressive game of, uh, you know, pin the tail on the donkey, you know. I mean, they just came after him every which way they could. Never seen anybody attack like that in our history, ever. And we've had some real jackasses. And I'm not talking about Democrats when I say that, but figuratively speaking, um, in Washington, D.C. But, you know, but that was a little different with Trump and the way he handled this thing, you know. But back to that political article. So listen to this. They say, but pinning all Republican hopes on DeSantis may not work for the GOP. (laughs) Wow. You know, Florida is not the rest of the United States. And DeSantis has embraced much of Trumpism himself. You know, oh, wow, this can't be good, huh, people? So this is Politico now talking, right? If voters are rejecting not just Trump, but his approach to politics, then a Trump, Trumpy alternative to Trump is no solution. Most importantly, broad and lasting success for the party will not be so simple as trading one cult of personality for another. Now, full stop right there. I completely, as in most cases always, disagree with Politico, to be sure. Nobody has remarked here and said that Americans don't like his approach to politics and his policies. In fact, quite frankly, I would argue and dispute that back with Politico and their garbage here, because that's exactly what people love about Trump is his policies and his approach to those politics and how he has dealt with real world policies and bought the best of the best and how he embraced an America first policy and call it what you want. But make America great again was never a bad idea, people. And even though the buffoon in the White House now, you know, with his dark speech that he did about democracy and MAGA, never really explained what the hell MAGA, I'm not even sure he knows what MAGA means. I'm not sure he knows it means make America great again. Biden, I'm speaking about. But he surely came came apart with it and this whole talk about democracy and all. It's pretty ridiculous, you know. So this whole idea that, well, DeSantis ain't going to be any good because, you know, yeah, he's got the, he's one of those, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? One of those conservative guys. Yeah. Yeah. That part of the Republican Party. What the hell's the matter with these people? He's not going to have a shot in hell. You know, that's exactly what the country needs, quite frankly. Now, the question is, would Ron DeSantis have a little more, um, how do you say, I know some of you may not like this, a little more formality, a little more couth, a little more class and style for the office. That really is where the rubber meets the road for a lot of people. 
there are people who just don't like the fact that sometimes Trump in his shenanigans and what have clowning around, they just feel that's not presidential, that it takes from the office itself. Now, you and I can argue that all day long, people. They say, oh, Malcolm, get over it. You know, say, hey, he's having a little fun. Who really gives it? Yeah, I hear you. It's not about me, however, people. <laughs> it's not about me. I happen to like and embrace the policies of Donald Trump. And I think he is a very interesting fellow. He's got courageous. He is courageous. And he's got testicles the size of Nebraska, which I tell you all the time. I mean, the man is, he defines the word courage in one sense. Some people would argue that back with me and say he also defines the word stupidity in another sense. It's the, it's the best and the worst of all worlds, isn't it, people? I mean, who would want the job? I mean, really, who would want the job? We live in some really interesting times. I'd like to bring on now Dell Wilbur joins me on the broadcast. Dell is a former CIA Department of Defense, Intelligence, and Counterterrorism officer, worked overseas, a patriot for sure, and always has an interesting way of looking at things. And before that speech was delivered, by the way, uh, Dell had a, a, a piece, an op ed, that he wrote uh, on America Out Loud. That he put a question out there. Has Trump's time passed? This is before he officially announced he was going to run. But I think we all knew he was going to run, as I suggest to you. But has Trump's time passed is what he was suggesting on the platform. So, Dell, I think it's pretty safe to say right now, and I, I started reading some of this political piece, and there's a whole lot more where this comes from, by the way. I've got, I've got oodles of these kinds of write-ins, but always... Politico is very rich. It's one of my favorite sites to go to for content. Uh, they, they, I actually owe them a, grat a, a debt of gratitude because they give me so much content, uh, really and truly. And uh, but you know, this whole notion of that, you know, DeSantis and all this. First of all, I think let's start with the desanctimonious thing. I, I'll tell you, and I love your view right now, but I think that that word and that moment is going to be his undoing before he ever began. I think it's going to hurt him in ways that we don't even realize right now. He surely reminded everybody that he has not changed. He's not going to change. He is who he is, take it or leave it. Whether he is the future or the past is the question. But this whole approach of uh, whatever you want to call it here, dehumanizing the moment here, uh, and reminded people that, do you want more drama? Because they're going to continue to attack this man. And is that what the country needs uh, for those four years after the next two? I mean, we'll be in pretty rough shape in two years from now. After two more years of the Biden policies, the America, let me be clear with everybody, will be on life support. But in two more years, we'll be on life support. We'll be barely breathing for oxygen in this freaking country, to be sure. And now, what do we want for the next four years at that point is going to be the question. So that desanctimonious moment, I think, se sends a, a message to the country. What do you think the damage is on him unleashing that on Ron DeSantis? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, uh, inviting me to, to have this discussion because I've got some pretty strong feelings, I think, that uh, uh, about this whole situation. Uh, 
I mean, going way back to 2016. And, uh, you know, I, I have to, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that in, in 2016, when Trump was running against all of those other Republicans, I absolutely despised the man. I thought his uh, name calling and his sloshing water around, I, you know, that I, I found that to be pretty juvenile and sophomoric. And that's not what I want in a president of the United States. Now, once he won the nomination and his opposition was Hillary Clinton, I was all in for Trump because there was no way in hell I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton. So I, I you know, I, I had to support Trump. I wasn't going to sit the election out and not vote, you know, so I, I you know, I went to work to try to uh, uh, to try to support Trump as best as I could. And I will be the first to admit that also that once he took office and I started seeing his accomplishments and the things that he was doing, the changes that he was making, I was fully supportive. You know, I like darn near everything that Trump did as president. I just wasn't a big fan of his personality, but I was willing to accept his personality because he was doing good things for the country. So in 2020, I, you know, I put my feelings aside about his personality and I voted for him again enthusiastically because I felt he had done a very good job and he was up against, you know, uh, a very, you know, poor candidate, not just a poor candidate uh, from the standpoint that Biden was barely uh, aware of where he was at any point in time, but just from the standpoint that he was a, a poor policy wise candidate. And, and I mean, he Biden really has no policies of his own. His policies come from whatever uh, his advisors who get their marching orders from Barack Obama. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, and I, and I saw that from the very beginning. So anyway, long story short, you know, I, I accepted Trump's uh, personality quirks and his game plan uh, because he was doing a good job. I don't think that's going to carry the weight this time. Uh, a lot of people are turned off by it. And I know that I, I am. And I, I was listening uh, to his live rally broadcast when he made that, when he called uh, Ron DeSantis to sanctimonious. And I was stunned. Mm -hmm. I was like, you have got to be kidding me that there was absolutely no call for that comment. And, you know, and, and I was like, well, it looks like he's going back to his old ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about that comment. You and I, um, I, and I haven't talked to you about that, but I was stunned as well. I think a lot of us were. I mean, here you have one of the most successful, uh, surely at the very top of the heap, governors who went in against great courage, by the way, went went against the face of uh, so many things that were happening throughout COVID and really brought Florida through with flying colors. I mean, really against um, some grave commentary that was shared about him. And it took a lot. You have to be a leader to be able to do what DeSantis did at a time when no one in the country was willing to do that, Dale. They just simply were not willing to do that. And DeSantis did that. He stood out and he he brought the state through so much that people up in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New England and all of these states and Illinois, and they started to come to Florida in record numbers to get out. In fact, that's why I think some of those states tilted, didn't tilt quite to any wave because a lot of Republicans left the state and they've left a lot of those what they call hellholes, urban hellholes, which is what's happening in a lot of our cities. Our great cities are they're cracking 
I mean, the, the, the foundational the measure of these cities is being tested right now from these progressive Marxist urban uh, policies that they put out there. So, but we all felt that way with Trump when he made that statement with DeSantis. You have to wonder, why would he do that? Now, here's the thing, Dell. Uh, he never, uh, DeSantis, I've never heard him. I mean, you tell me back if you've heard him, please. I have never heard him. I've never seen a comment. I've never seen a quote or anything that he has made concerning president. He's, I haven't heard him say a freaking thing about being anything to do with president. I haven't, I haven't seen anything, nothing, zero. I mean, so I started thinking before even Trump made this, I knew they were going to make this DeSantis Trump thing a thing because they're looking to edge Trump on. So the media is loving this right now. They're embracing this whole desanctimonious thing and Trump. And of course, Trump fed right into it. This is one strategic blunder that I think will Trump will pay a price for because he infuriated it, the, a lot of the core of the Republican Party, really turned the dial off and got pissed off at what he did here. And a lot of other people uh, and the pundits and the media heads in the country tell, they loved what he did. And so it gave them a pure opportunity to rebrand Trump again. And even with all of this election stuff still going on, what happens? What did I say up front, Dell? He takes the oxygen out of the room every time because he doesn't know to sit still. I mean, and just deal with and you know, wait at the moment, the proper moment. And I don't hear anybody. Did you hear anybody say they thought that was a great time to unleash this campaign? Did anybody say that? Not, you know, not that I've heard. I mean, uh, you know, well, other than his diehard Trump's diehard supporters, I mean, they are yeah. fanatical is, is is the best term that I can come up with, because yeah. you cannot say anything. I know. You cannot be critical in any way yeah. uh, of, of Trump personally or anything he's done. And you are viciously attacked by them. I mean, I've, I've had it happen to me yeah. because I question, you know, his name calling. Uh, you know, name calling of other people in that, you know, uh, in my opinion, Trump lost the election uh, in uh, the very first after the very first debate he did with with Joe Biden because of his constant badgering and badgering and and not giving Biden. I mean, you know, he was just absolutely uh, a constant attack mode against Biden. And certainly we all agree that, uh, you know, that there were were questions about biden and his obviously his son and and their dirty dealings and that but you know you have to be uh you have to be able to present it in a way that that doesn't come across as though you know it came across as here's donald trump attacking the son of somebody else you know uh, it, it 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 didn't play well and i thought at that very that very instant when when that debate was over i thought trump just lost the election Mm. And I commented about wow. that. Wow. And when I commented about that, I was attacked by his supporters, you know, for for even questioning mm. anything that Trump did. So that's the problem is the fanaticism out there of his yeah. supporters. They cannot see anything that Trump does, you know, a, a, as being wrong. And how is he going to correct his himself? How is he going to correct some of the things he says and does if his own people won't? Pointed out to him and say, "Hey, you know, you got to you got to cool your jets a little bit." Yeah, yeah I'm so glad you brought up that debate. Uh, we forget about that, and it's a really viable point. I remember the moment you're speaking about Dell 
where he was doing that. And I think some people, I mean, wouldn't you even sort of say it was almost like elder abuse? <laughs> you could. Well, I mean, you know, no matter how dysfunctional that family is and how yeah. uh, many, you know, bad things his son did, you know, when you just sit there and badger somebody on, on national TV and, and, and you're attacking their, their, their child, you know, uh, I mean, it's it, it, it doesn't play well all the time. And I think it turned a lot of people off. Yeah, I think it's a very, very interesting point. And if listeners will remember back to that moment, what Dell speaks about right there, uh, you have a sense that uh, he's onto something here. And the fact that, Dell, you made that point out there, as you say, in social media world or whatever about that. And you've got and that's a point, I guess, to discuss here, how you get accosted whenever you say anything. So the the real core deep MAGA, people use the word cult, but whatever you want to call it, they are very rabid, aren't they, Dell? They're rabid. You know, I, I'm rabidly MAGA. I believe in making America great again. OK, so I, I, I don't fault Donald Trump for, you know, for wanting to make America great. I support I've spent 40 years of my life serving and defending this country and I want to see America great again. But I want to see it done the right way. You know, I'm reminded of Ronald Reagan when Ronald Reagan took office. Huh. He was attacked unmercifully. Yeah. By the press, by the Democrats, by Hollywood, mm. you know, they all thought he was a he was an idiot. He was uh, incompetent. He was, you know, he was going to get us in a war. I mean, he was attacked viciously. But you know what? Ronald Reagan had a way of deflecting those attacks. Yeah. In fact, even turning them around back onto the people making the attacks. Trump can't do that. Trump gets his feelings hurt and he attacks back. But he does it in a way that's mean, you know. Trump or uh, uh, Reagan did it. Uh, he deflected it with humor. humor he was yeah. able to yeah. to turn their their uh, their attacks against him around. Yeah, and yeah. that's the big difference. Oh my God, you just uh, that is so important what you say there. I, listen, um, I'm a huge Reagan fan here. Uh, number number forty, number forty. Uh, and uh, humor was something he used so well. Uh, you know, humor, and you think of the jelly beans with uh, with Reagan. You know what I mean? Uh, and it, what he is, and you know, I used to say, I used to speak about that often. Actually, Trump was so effective as a president. Trump was, Dale, that I used to always say, "By golly, if this man, number forty five, if he could be as anywhere close to his statesman as a Ronald Reagan was, we would clean house." And we and I refer to them and listeners that follow me closely know they've heard me say this before. I refer to number 40 and number 45, Dale, as bookends, bookends, bookends to really save an America. Because and let me give credit to both Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump right now at this moment, Dale. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think you might agree with me even. But I think forgetting everything we just said, you look at Ronald Reagan, you look at Donald Trump. They really saved our country because if you look between this, there's only so much we can take here. And if you look at between those two amazing leaders, those courageous leaders, you've got here. What do you have, Dale? You've got uh, Bush. You've got Clinton. You've got Bush. You've got Obama. I mean, you've got really the worst of the worst. You've got big state apparatus. You've got big global uh, politicians. And people who built up this apparatus of big government. So you have a lot of a lot of um, turmoil and a, a lot of um, uh, pain and angst in our country over those 25 years there with those presidents. 
You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean by that with those bookends, 40 and 45? Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. Ed. You know, the one thing about Reagan, which, which people seem to forget, is Reagan was able to get things done with the Democrat-controlled yeah, uh, House. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, he used to have Tip O'Neill over to the White House for a beer in the evening. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And can you imagine uh, Donald Trump? I mean, yeah. there's no way in hell Trump could do that because he was yeah. so despised and hated. Yeah. And and so he literally was up against a brick wall, you know, in trying to 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 make some inroads with with the Democrat Party. I mean, they right, despised right. him so much. And that that's the big difference. You People just hit the like, nerve right there. No, no, you Dale, you just hit it right there, because what's happened is the difference Dale, on what you just said. Trump made it personal. He made it very, very personal. Uh, whereas Reagan could get together with Tip O'Neill. I mean, listen, they disagreed through the day. They talked politics. They did all kinds of things. They fought each other like hell. But at the end of the day, they could get together and have a reasonably good conversation because Reagan wasn't being spirited. Uh, Trump, on the other hand, burnt those bridges, didn't he? Everybody liked Ronnie Reagan. Nobody in the Democrat Party, uh, the media or Hollywood or any other uh, special interest group. Nobody liked Donald Trump except for his diehard supporters. And even a lot of Republicans didn't like Donald right. Trump. I mean, you know, so it, it's like, don't go out of your way to antagonize people so much. You know, you can win battles. You can win wars, yeah. you know, by, by developing relationships and coalitions and, and getting things done. Trump had didn't have that ability. He could not create relationships with with you know the yeah. the people in the Democrat Party. You know, I often said up front, and when he started and he was having the success, the track, uh, the metrics, and then there was still some of that funny business going on. Dale, I used to say to um, some folks in my circle that. Oh my God! I, you know, being a marketer and spending spending my life in um, public relations, Dell, and market and advertising, public relations is what I did before radio and television and this new world that I got into. But I spent a lot of years there, and I used to say to my folks in my circle, God, I wish I could just have an opportunity to coach him. I really like this guy. But if I could really coach him as to how to deal with these things and how to reflect and know when to speak back and be more of that statesman, my golly, we could clean house right now as, as a conservative movement because he was one of the best conservative leaders we've seen in our lifetime. I mean, his track record of conservatism, Dell, was actually even more conservative than Ronald Reagan. Uh, Trump delivered. And this is somebody who was a Democrat for a lot of years. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I used to I used to sit there and wonder. I, I would ask myself, where in the hell are his kids? Why don't they grab him by the shirt collar, slap yeah. him and say, listen, you need to tone it down. You know, there were so many times when he, you know, reacted to things, to personal attacks, that he should have just let slide off his back, you know, like like water on a duck's back. I used to get so angry at George W. Bush because the Democrats and, and the media uh, attacked him constantly and Bush wouldn't fight back. So in some regard, I liked that Trump actually would would fight back a little. Yeah. But, you know, but do it in a reasonable way and and and. Pick and choose your battles. Sometimes you just ignore stuff. That's more presidential. And you don't pick a fight with someone. Make th Let them look like the fool. 
because they're attacking you and you're just ignoring them. You know, silence sometimes is, is the better defense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're giving you uh, today, uh, my fellow Americans, and uh, a different objective here, uh, but it is looking at things from a different glass. And, you know, I know, listen, I, I know if you're, hopefully you're still listening with us here. I know we've got a lot of um, vibrant uh, MAGA lovers here, as we are. We are Make America. We're America first here. Uh, we are Make America Great Again, you bet. And I mean, we're all of that, friends, all of that in a bag of candy, to be sure. I mean, and Dell is as well. I know that about him. That's why I thought he would be an interesting one to talk to today for all the reasons that actually, if you listen to the front part of this or rewind it when it goes to podcast, he's delivered. He's just delivered some really great, strong points as to what the problems are. Now, listen, if we're going to have a chance at any of this, we got to be objective. We have to step back and see. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting to you today that I will not support. I'm not, I'm not saying at all I won't support Donald Trump. It's not at all what I'm saying. I didn't, And I'll ask Dell that in moments here. Uh, if he's saying that, but I'm not saying that at all. To, let me be clear. Uh, I'm looking at all of this very, very clearly uh, and going to follow it very closely. Uh, I think Trump is a historic president. I think he will be a historic president. They'll be talking about Donald Trump 50 years from now. And that's part and parcel why I think he's back into this thing, is he wants to secure that legacy. He wants to do a lot of good for America. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he really, he loves the country. He's as about as a patriotic fellow as you would meet. Anybody who walks out into a room and is brave enough to hug a flag well, I should tell you a whole lot right there. Now, somebody who walks into a room and is willing to hug the United States of America flag, that's a dude that I'm going to support. That, that's a guy I can get behind or a gal I can get behind. But as always, I'm going to give you all sides of the story here. I want to tell you and remind you about MyFreeDoctor.com, Dr. Ben Marble, and the amazing group of doctors around this country. This group is, I, I hardly have the words for it, actually. You know, when COVID was really bad and people couldn't see their doctors and they couldn't get out and they couldn't do anything, there was a group of patriots, of Christians, who came together and said, we got to help our, our fellow man. We got to help our fellow man. How are we going to do it? Well, and people were tough. A lot of people weren't, nobody was working then, but people were struggling. And they come up with this myfreedoctor.com to, it was completely free. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a bait and switch, a switch and bait. It wasn't any of that, people. This was the real deal. And they did through telemedicine, through the telehealth, telemedicine thing. That's where it all came in. And they got on there and helped a lot of people, saved a lot of lives at the worst part of it. And they ran this whole thing by just basically donations, just donations. They've taken donations to help support this movement of what they were doing. They had all these doctors around the country and helping people out. And, you know, that was it in all 50 states. And it was a remarkable movement. And, you know, I talked a bit about it. I didn't know all the things about it, but I knew they were there and I knew they were doing some real stuff. Well, 
Truth of the matter is, Dr. McCullough would bring them up quite a bit on the uh, show with me. And I didn't know everything about it at that point, frankly. But I knew he really liked them and believed in what they were doing. And I thought, well, there's something to that, my free doctor. Well, when they ever reached to me sometime after COVID to say, you know, we'd love to do some stuff with you if you get a chance to connect. And I thought, wow, are these are the same cats, myfreedoctor.com. <laughs> sure they are. That's the Dr. Ben Marble guy. Sure he is. I said, yeah. So let me get on the phone. So I had conversations with him. And uh, sure enough, I said, yes, I'll help you with this campaign and support you to put the message out there for, for our fellow Americans. You bet. And we did. And I highly recommend them now. A long COVID, post-COVID world, flu, influenza, problems, challenges, all kinds of things. There's no limit to what these people can help with. The thing about them is they are, they're faith-based, they're Christian-based. They do this for a higher order is why they do it. And the whole thing has clearly run on donations. Some people can put it in, some don't, and some have gifted back to help out and pay for the others who can't. You know, it's that whole thing. What, what do we call that? I think pay it forward, right? Pay it forward. That's kind of, I guess, what this might be sort of like. That's just me saying that. I don't really know if they use the words there. But anyways, I'll recommend it, myfreedoctor.com. Uh, pretty easy website to remember there don't you think and the links of course are always back at americaoutloud.com you can click that there uh, take a look at them uh, we'll take a quick pause here we'll rejoin with Del wilbur and uh you're listening to the voice of a nation listen to malcolm the voice of a nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on apple android or alexa Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Well, I've seen some comments that uh, Senator Josh Hawley came out and said, well, the Republican Party as we know it is dead. Wow, I thought, well, there's a statement for you, man. Hmm. I mean... You know, just put it out there. And he was uh, certainly pushing away from uh, Trump and saying that. He said, but that the midterm elections were a funeral for the Republican Party as we know it. 
is what he was uh, saying here. And he went on to explain how Trump hurt the Republican Party, and he pushed against that, these comments from Josh Harley. Mike Pence, who has been sort of a little quiet, as he always is. He's a quiet kind of guy. That's why he was a good fit with Trump, because he did not need a lot of oxygen in the room. He could breathe on low fumes. <laughs> and that's the way he succeeded with Donald Trump. If he required a lot of oxygen as well, that relationship would not have worked. That's why Donald Trump picked Mike Pence. He did not require to be the showman. Calling it as I see it, people. That's it. So Mike Pence, and of course, a lot of uh, fervid uh, MAGA people hate Mike Pence. He's become an enemy of the Republican Party, a lot of it. He, the media is still asking him and toying with him. Are you thinking about running? Are you thinking about running? Are you thinking about running? Because that's one more area they can have to throw in there to edge Trump on to say, hey, pukey Pence or, you know, Marky Mike or something. You know, that's what he'll come out with here and say, oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Trump. It's like candy, it's like candy for the kids in the candy shop there, you know. So Pence says, and I quote, I think that's up to the American people. Now, that's something Mike Pence would say. That, you know, that's how he would answer a question. Yeah, well, I think that's up to the American people. And when I heard that comment, well, that's very Mike Pencey. I get that. But it's what he said after that. That kind of surprised me because Pence doesn't have testicles the size of Nebraska. He has to be more the size of Little Rhode Island, potentially, I think. Maybe even the District of Columbia, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> or Guam or something like that, you know. He says, um, but I think we'll have better choices in the future. Wow, interesting. <laughs> People in this country actually get along pretty well once you get out of politics. And I think they want to see their national leaders start to reflect that same, that same compassion and generosity of spirit. And I think so in the days ahead, I think there will be better choices. Now, I mean, that is, I guess, mostly a Pence answer, minus the I think we'll have better choices was a little brazen for him to take on Trump with that, clearly. But he doesn't care at this point. He's not going to lose, obviously. Trump has already said plenty of things about him, so he's already in that feud. But the rest of this, when Pence talks, he's like, you know, Dell. That comment I just read from Mike Pence, he's the kind of politician that when he says things or talks like that with a paragraph like that, you really don't really know what the hell he said. Uh, he does a lot of rambling and stuff and very, um, I don't know, how do you say, he's very political. He he plays to the um, to the politics of the moment, you know what I mean? And um, and that's what he was doing there, clearly. Uh, what do you make of that with the comments from Mike Pence and uh, Josh Hawley, in fact? Uh, saying the Republican Party is dead. You different sentiments or you agree? Well, I, you know, uh, it, there was just a news uh, news brief that uh, Mitch McConnell's been reelected as the uh, uh, Senate minority leader. So, you know, that tells you right there that, uh, you know, <laughs> Josh Hawley uh, is now probably not on the A-list anymore. Uh, you know, Mike <laughs> Pence is a... Um, you know, I will give Mike Pence credit because for four years he was very loyal to uh, uh, to Trump. Right. Uh, 
And especially in some of the times when, when Trump made some outrageous statements or whatever, and, and Pence was, you know, was asked about him uh, during an interview or whatever, you know, he, he, he maintained his loyalty to Trump. So I, I will give him credit for that. Uh, I don't think Mike Pence has the following to, uh, to go on to win the nomination. Uh, and I don't think Donald Trump has either. This is not going to be a coronation for Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, he's not going to get you, you mentioned about him sucking all the oxygen out of the room. That's because he was getting the news media coverage that he got before. I don't think he's going to get the news media coverage that he got before. You know, there may be some, you know, outlets like, uh, you know, that will uh, will will give him the, uh, you know, the, the as much attention as he as he wants. But I don't think he's going to get the, the media coverage. And so consequently, I don't think he's going to be uh, I don't think he's going to win the nomination. I really don't. I could be wrong if he wins. Hey, I'll I'll support him. You know, whoever he runs against, uh, you know, I'll support him. But uh, I don't think he's it's not going to be a cakewalk. Yeah, you bring up a really good point again, Dell. Uh, so the ones who will support him in, in a nutshell uh, will give him that coverage, not, not support, but the coverage you just talked about will be Newsmax and OAN. They will get behind. You're right. That's the brand of cornflakes they'll sell. Uh, Fox won't as well. And the, the point is that. Um, and, you know, of course, Fox has been through a whole bunch of crap uh, and uh, and they lost a lot of favor with the Republican Party for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, it's been self-inflicted as far as I can see. Um, but uh, exactly with that speech he had uh, the other night. And by the way, I did not watch the speech, Dale, in full disclosure with you and to my listeners. Um, but, you know, I frankly, friends, I'm so busy here. I never really watched a lot of his rallies. I might have. I, I don't think I've ever seen one in its uh, in totality. I think I've seen maybe parts of them. But, but I just didn't have the uh, I didn't have the. You know, I just see a lot of that, Dale, as, um, you know, an hour of. What just edging people on? There's very little policy sub substance in those speeches. It's just more rhetoric and repeating and rehashing the same garbage in and out. They all do it. It's called politics, you know. They all do it. But you notice when he had that speech, I did see the reports that uh, he, um, all the chat, the networks all pulled away. In fact, some of them didn't even run it. Your point is well taken. In other words, they realized they built Donald Trump in 2015. Uh, prior to the 2016 campaign, they built him uh, because he was really fun as an entertainer. Even Oprah Winfrey thought he was humorous and entertaining before, you know, he they knew how serious he was. And I said, well, this guy, this jackass, we can't have in there at all. Then they changed it. And so that's your point right there. And it, it was just proven the other day here when they just said, we're not going to run this whole thing. Even Fox pulled away and didn't run it. And all the reports I'm seeing about the speech are saying it was very, very low energy. It wasn't Trump-esque. And I didn't see it, so I can't really answer that. Uh, what, what reports are you hearing? Uh, you know, I in, in, in full disclosure, I didn't watch the, the speech either. I just simply wasn't interested. You know, I mentioned earlier that I watched uh, his one rally, and I don't recall where it took place, uh, where he, he made the, uh, the Ron DeSanctimonious uh, comment. I never watched that whole rally. In fact, I, I haven't watched any of his, uh, you know, complete rallies. I was channel flipping and uh, and happened to see that uh, that he was on at a rally somewhere. And so I listened for a few minutes and it just happened to be at that point during his uh, his speech or his remarks that he used that uh, uh, that, you know, insult to uh, Ron DeSantis. So 
like I said, and that, that certainly stunned me. Uh, what I've heard uh, from a lot of people about his, his announcement speech was that it actually was not too bad, that he stayed on message. Good. And, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't spend any time complaining about the election being rigged and stolen in 2020. And that's an important uh, point, by the way, that's an important point, because if he continues, the, the country is over 2020. They're 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 tired of relitigating. And I have to tell you, Dale, there are people in my circle and people who I like a lot, who I even love to have on here. But I don't really have them on anymore because they're like in stereo and I can't get them off their record skipping about 2020. And I just don't want to keep repeating that message to my listeners because it gets very repetitive and I don't see the benefit of it at this point, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, he needs to get over it. Just put it behind him and move on. You know, one of the things comments that I made recently to someone who, uh, you know, who was bringing that up and everything. And I said, you know what, if you honestly really truly believe that the, uh, the election in 2020 was stolen, that there was massive fraud that took place and everything, then you know what you got to do. You got to win the next election so that you can look into it and and try to develop the evidence or whatever and you know and and uh, bring people up on charges you know whatever whatever needs to be but you're not going to do that if you don't win the next election and you're not going to win the next election by focusing on the past on what happened in 2020 you're going to win the next election by telling people what you're going to do for them what you're going to do for them in in 2024 and beyond that's and that's how you're going to be able to you know, to investigate or do whatever you want to do. You're not going to investigate if you don't have control of the White House, the Senate, and the Congress. Yeah, that's right. That's right, brother. Um, now, your point about McConnell, let's touch on that right now. That uh, So what happened in the last day or two, as you know, Dell, uh, Rick Scott had put his name in the hat, and I kind of seen that coming because he's been at odds with some of the uh, – the 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 GOP establishment, if you will, and has been building for a little while. And then with the whole Senate and the election thing and that debacle uh, between McConnell and Scott. Uh, so he decided to contest uh, the, uh, the the leader there the, uh, to be the uh, minority leader in the Senate and uh, the president, you know, uh, the, well, the minority leader in this case. Yeah. And uh, so he lost 37 to 10. But, you know, I have to give Scott credit for trying the fact that he was, again, brazen enough to be able to put his name in the hat. I thought because a lot of them are chicken shit when it comes to Mitch McConnell. He's another one. They just are. And they run the other way. But I want to tell you right now, Dale, I would have loved to have said to the report today, uh, and I don't know if you agree with this or don't agree with this, but I would have loved to report to listeners this. Oh, my fellow Americans, I have a newsflash for you today. Wow, the new Senate minority leader would be uh, Senator Rick Scott. He has beat Mitch McConnell, and Turtlehead is out of there. What do you say to that? Oh, I've been saying ditch Mitch for, for a long time, <laughs> for years. You know, I, I I can't stand the man. I will, I will give credit where credit's due. During Trump's four years, uh, McConnell got through a lot of a lot of good judges in that conservative judges and the judiciary i'll give him credit for that he, he obviously shepherded you know three supreme court uh, uh, nominees through the process and got them uh, confirmed so yes he, he certainly uh, deserves credit but that alone the fact that mitch mcconnell was reelected as the senate minority leader tells you the the republican party's feelings about Trump running again in 2024. 
you know, if, 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 if they feel that strongly about having uh, Mitch McConnell back as Senate uh, minority leader, who right. Trump was so opposed to, and Trump wanted to get rid of Mitch McConnell as well, then Trump's going to have his hands full if he does run. There you go. That's a that's a really terrific point. Uh, so it shows you he doesn't have the support of a lot of those senior leaders, which we sort of know that already anyways. The reason is, Dale, I think I, the, a lot of these guys who've been around a while, they're tired of the drama, regardless of where the drama is coming from. They're sort of t- it's like being at a Broadway play, Dale, with your family and the play went on way too long. It's late in the evening. You're falling asleep and you say, we got to get the hell out of here. I mean, this thing was decent, but she's. I got to get the hell out of here. It's just getting b- mundane now. And it's the same, same kind of thing, I think, isn't it? <laughs> you know, Trump will go down in history yeah. as the most successful one-term president in, in our nation's entire history. In fact, he'll go down in history as being more successful than many two-term presidents were. But, you know, I I, I have a friend who's, who serves in Congress, and I sent him an email just uh, just the other day. Uh, in fact, I, I copied him on my my recent column about uh, uh, Trump's, you know, Trump's time passing. And, uh, you know, and I told him, I says, I, I think maybe it's time to move on. And he responded back to me and said, uh, you're not alone. There's a lot of people here that agree. So that's coming from someone who serves in Congress. And, you know, he's he's, I think, a pretty decent, pretty honorable individual. And. Mm-hmm. There's not the support, like I said. They, you know, Trump's diehard supporters are always going to support him, no matter what. But I, I don't think he's got the uh, the legs anymore that uh, uh, that he once had. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting quandary uh, and a very fascinating uh, point to put out there to folks, uh, Dell, to really understand, digest what's taking place. Uh, you know, I, I got to say to you, uh, I, I appreciate your comments today, uh, uh, really. And I think it's important we stay objective, don't you think? We have to be objective and we have to be willing to speak the truth. And but if we get on here and we sugarcoat everything and we just tell people what we think they want to hear, we surely have done an injustice, don't you think? Absolutely. And like I said, if it, you know, if Trump is the nominee, I don't care who the Democrats have up against him. I will vote for Trump because I'll never vote for another Democratic again in my life. Uh, not that I've made a habit of that in the past, but uh, uh, but Trump is not going to learn from his mistakes if everything's sugarcoated for him and everybody, you know, is a yes man and says, oh, absolutely, Mr. President, you know, you're, you're right on target when he's not. He has to hear that, you know, he's made mistakes. His people have to hear that he's made mistakes so that he can learn from them. Hopefully, if he does get the nomination, I want the guy to win, you know, uh, if he gets the nomination. Uh, I certainly don't want another four to eight years of a Democrat in office. And it's also not to say that if there are a couple of other candidates in there and potentially will be with Trump at the end for the primary, depending who they are, Dale, I mean, I would imagine it's pretty safe to say that's, I or are you saying, I mean, if there are other candidates and you that you like Trump better and his policies better, would you vote that way or would you not vote for him because of that? Again, it would depend on on who the like I said, this isn't a coronation of Donald Trump just because he announced doesn't mean the nomination is his. Yeah. And I, I would be interested in seeing who actually is is going to 
you know, to uh, uh, to compete against him. And if it's someone that I think would make a better choice, then by gosh, they'll get my vote. If Trump ends up being the, the, the one that convinces me that he's got the best answers to our problems and that he can get elected in, you know, in uh, November of 2024, then Trump will get my vote again. I, I voted for him twice before. And I'll be happy to do it again if he's the nominee. All right. Amen. Um, wow. Th- this was uh, this was a terrific uh, con- uh, conversation. I mean, this this was uh, outstanding here. Um a tremendous, tremendous thank you to Dell Wilbur, and uh, and also a big thank you to Dell as a patriot and for his service to our great nation. We never want to lose track of that. What I really appreciate, uh, my fellow Americans, is that we give you something to think about here. Uh, Dell's comments at the end of that conversation, are, are, I think, are worth really digesting and hearing that. And that's the reason I ask that question the way I ask it. If it comes down to it at the end of the primary and there are two or three or four folks and you're voting on them and it's Trump and whoever else and you like those policies or that man better, are you voting that way? Or is it like you're, I mean, I guess what I was implying but didn't really say is you're not a never Trumper now, are you? And of course, I know that Dell is not. And, uh, and certainly we are not here to be sure. We're in this, as I hope you are out there, for the best for our country, who is the best to lead our nation? My my fellow Americans, this is not a popularity contest, right? It, and it's not an ego-driven deal. I mean, this is finding the right person. These are serious times. And having a serious leader who is courageous, who can do sometimes things unconventionally can be a very good thing. But we have to work within the confines of the rules of the road we've been given as well, truthfully. I mean, there's a lot to that, you know, and that's something we're going to have to reflect on as as people kind of reflect on what kind of a, you know, what kind of a system do we want to have? And it depends. A lot of things we don't know at this point. Who's running? How come? Where are they? Who are they? And what kind of baggage do they have or not have? What kind of baggage does Trump have or not have? How does that? That's what you got to do. And that's what an election should be in our country. You, you have to agree with that, friends. That's what it comes down to. So please consider all of that and think about it. But we surely support America first. And we absolutely support Make America Great Again. And we also believe Donald Trump is a consequential president and will go down historically as one of the best presidents in our nation's history, whether it was one term or two terms. And you know who will decide that? The American people. My fellow Americans, thank you for joining me on the mission here. As always, it's time to get involved and get loud, America.